This episode of News Dump is brought to you by Masterclass and by HelloFresh. It looks like the days of dangerous, death-defying stunts might finally be over for at least one of the Jackass crew members after the release of the fourth film next month, which is Jackass Forever. Yeah, please, actually. I mean, look, I, I love the Jackass movies, but... For the Just health and safety please of the quit while you're still alive, sir. Yeah, sir. we've covered the development and updates about this film since it was first announced, and our stance on this whole thing has been that uh, Johnny Knoxville and the boys, they have done enough. These are middle-aged men, and as much as I love seeing them jack it up, ass it up, yeah. uh, it's, it's getting scary. Yes. And dangerous. Uh, they don't need to keep abusing their aging bodies for our enjoyment, and something bad is eventually going to happen. And it didn't take long for the first news to come out of the production when just days into filming, Steve, both Steve-O and Johnny Knoxville were hospitalized after a stunt involving a treadmill and full marching band equipment went wrong. Um, that, however, wouldn't be the last time that an injury happened on the set of this new movie. But at least one injury later down the line in production may have finally proven to be too much, even for these seasoned stuntmen. Yeah, so Johnny Knoxville has now come out and said that Jackass Forever will be his last film with the group after suffering what appears to be a traumatic injury to the brain while doing a stunt with a live bull, mm -hmm. an animal that fans of the series should be familiar with. Uh, Johnny Knoxville loves getting the shit kicked out of him by bulls. Yeah, there's been but, plenty of uh, uh, bull usage throughout the years to various cast members. But this time, uh, the bull finally hit hard enough that it, it knocked some sense into, or I guess permanently out of, Johnny Knoxville. Mm -hmm. Uh, while doing the press rounds recently, Knoxville admitted that the bull stunt, which is featured in the trailer, resulted in brain damage, which led to attention disorders as well as depression and some serious talks with his family about his future. Dad, please, please stop. I like, yeah, just the, the kids being like, you gotta stop fucking around, you're gonna get hurt. Nah, I'm fine. I mean, in, in a lot of cases, like, stuntmen need to keep doing this because, uh, so it makes him feel alive. Yeah. That evil Knievel was doing things way too old in life, too. He was. And evil Knievel, in the last 10 years or so of his life, was in constant pain. Yes. Like, he had broken, I think, like, famously broke almost every bone in his body at some point. I can't even times. imagine what these guys are going through right now because I, I fucked around a lot when I was a kid. I did BMX and skateboarding and everything. And, the, yeah, I'll get, I'll get pains all the time. And it's like... These guys are hurting themselves all the time, severely. So I'm, I can't imagine aging is going to be very fun for them. I'm actually kind of shocked that Bam Margera is the only one to uh, take on a serious uh, drug dependency. Well, Steve-O did, but he got clean. He did, but he got clean. But it's yeah. like, I mean, all these guys, like, I... I and Ryan Dunn fucking died from it uh, well, because yeah. he was a complete alcoholic but who I, then drove. I would have to assume that these guys just straight up turned down, uh, like, fentanyl and... Oxy and shit like that when they the, when they go to their regular doctor's visits after getting the shit kicked out of them on set. Well, yeah, I it's think like, the uh. last Jackass movie, Steve-O was sober for it, and so he had yeah. to deal with all of that without any, you know, prescription medication or anything like Just that. Just his bright, sunny disposition. And he he seems like he has turned into a wonderfully amazing person, which yeah. is great. Chapter two of Steve-O is... Uh, it's the best chapter. It's been the best chapter. Uh -huh. Way less scary and depressing. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, here's uh, NME who quotes the actor's interview with Howard Stern. Knoxville said a stunt where he's knocked into the air by a bull left him with severe injuries, including a broken wrist, broken ribs, and a concussion that resulted in a brain hemorrhage. Jesus Christ. Quote, yeah, I got a brain hemorrhage from that. So my cognitive abilities were in steep decline after that hit. No one in my family is happy with the stunts. The bull hit was the worst hit I've ever taken from a bull, or maybe period. 
Uh, I remember taking some tests. The neurosurgeon said, do you have trouble paying attention right now? I said, yeah, why? He goes, because you scored a 17 on your attention. That's out of 100. I had to go under all these types of treatments, this transcranial magnetic stimulation, which they buzz your head with these magnets for about 30 minutes at a time for like, oh God, I'd say 10 or 12 treatments over a series of two months. And it's supposed to help with depression and help with my cognitive skills. It was a tough one to come back from. I was trying to edit the movie at the time, but I couldn't sit still. Johnny? Mm -hmm. Johnny, I think it's time. And I think he agrees because <laughs> that's what he says. So yeah, Knoxville says that he feels he's done enough stunts following <laughs> this bull hit, adding that he suffered depression after the concussion, which, quote, hasn't happened before. Yeah, that'll do it. Mm -hmm. uh, he says, I can't take any more hits to the head. My brain was just playing tricks on me. I got really depressed and over-focused on things. I did have to start medication for the first time in my life. It completely turned me around that and doing therapy. Well, that's good. At least he got on the right medication. Okay. I it's yeah. never, never too late. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he went on to tout his full recovery, which is, is great. Yeah. God gave you a second chance, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> if there is a God, he is looking down on Johnny Knoxville. But uh, again, we do have to say, we're just happy that none of these guys suffered any like truly debilitating injuries, though. How any of their careers uh, will affect them in the future, down the line, uh, that's, that's a gamble that has already been played, and I guess we'll just have to see how that plays out as they move from middle age to old age. Yeah, some of them, uh, I mean, it's been proven <laughs> that they don't handle it well. Uh, we haven't heard from Bam in a while, but anytime there is news, it seems to be bad. But Bam never even really got hurt. He was like, he was always... He, he was the guy that was picking on other people. Yeah. And, and Bam never did stunts. I mean, he did a he couple, He did get slapped in the face with that giant hand, which he, was very funny. He did. Mm -hmm. And, and well-deserved. Yeah. <laughs> and they did throw snakes on him, which is probably traumatic. But most of the snakes were fake. <laughs> most. Yeah. There was a few real ones. Uh-huh. Anyway, based on the trailer for this movie, which is finally coming out. Hell yeah. It's coming out in like a week. It was supposed to come out back in September, and then they, they moved it back because of the damn Delta variant. And uh, I was well, so and Omicron sad. Omicron came, but uh, yeah. we're on the downtrend on that, so it's time to go back out to the theater, right? But yeah, it's coming up real soon, and mm -hmm. I, I'll be back. I will be in the theater. The real stunt, the real dangerous stunt, is going to the theater yeah. for this film <laughs> at eleven o'clock in the morning during a school day when no one else is there. That's right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, based on the trailer, it appears as though the original Jackass crew is passing the torch to a new crew, mm -hmm. which is. Interesting, but certainly for the best. If there are any plans for future films or series, mm -hmm. uh, we actually are excited to see the new movie a lot, especially in theaters. You got to see these movies in theaters. It's really the experience you're it's looking a, for. Uh, it's a communal thing. Uh, the uh, There's just something about it. Watching Jackass 3D in theaters, especially, was a triumph. That's the only 3D. That's the only good 3D movie I've ever seen. <laughs> where like I actually remember the 3D. Mm -hmm. I remember. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but his uh, floppy penis in extreme slow motion yeah. hitting a ping pong ball there you go. like a baseball bat. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, if it's anywhere near as good as the previous three and I guess three and a half and a half. Jackass there's a couple movies. half movies in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, then Action Park and uh, there's another uh, like... Action Park and Bad Grandpa yes. were like Jackass presents, but then Jackass one and two or two and three, their uh, home video releases had like an entire extra movie's worth yeah. of outtakes mm -hmm. in it. So yeah, if it's anything like their previous work, which is timeless and excellent, this is sure to be a real joy. Yep. And now you can be uh, happy watching it knowing none of these people have died. During the production, During the production of, the, of, the, of the movie. When Johnny Knoxville gets hit, you can be like, that looks like it hurt. And I know for a fact that it did. 
but he's recovered. But he's okay. And he said he's never going to do it again. And he's found the right medication yeah. that has balanced him. And we're all proud of that. Anyway, yeah, it comes out February 4th. That's, yeah, next week. Here yeah, we go. So, um, yeah, get, order the N95s now so that yeah. they arrive in time. But uh, if you've uh, been following the very awkward, very public feud between <sighs> Vin Diesel and Dwayne The Rock Johnson over the yeah, past just few years, a fucking call. Uh, you're well aware that things have recently hit a fever pitch as both actors have gone back and forth with accusations very publicly. And uh, those are, uh, The Rock is trying to stay out of this. But most of it is the result of Vin Diesel's social media posts, uh, one of which, of course, hilariously framed Vin as physically bigger than The Rock. But here's a very quick recap. The Rock didn't name names, but complained about how certain people acted on the set of the Fast and Furious film. This was film. like five years ago, I know. too, by the way. Uh, Vin Diesel then reacted poorly to this and traded barbs, which uh, basically identified him as The Rock's unnamed yeah. person. Diesel has consistently positioned himself as the victim in this and publicly pressured Dwayne to return to the franchise. Uh, Johnson seems uh, content with not being involved at all and indicated as much to Vin privately and was obviously annoyed that Vin then turned around and tried to emotionally manipulate him publicly after he made it clear he wanted nothing to do with Diesel or the franchise, but did wish them the best of luck. Vin Diesel needs Dwayne Johnson way, way more than Dwayne Johnson needs Vin Diesel. As evidenced by the petty posts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But regardless of The Rock's involvement in the franchise, the show absolutely must go on because Fast and Furious is one of if not the most successful modern franchise that Universal Pictures owns. And I'd say in terms of franchises that aren't based on pre-existing IP, it's got to be number one. Yeah, I think the, the next one behind that would be like Minions or something. Yeah. I guess. If, we're, if we're including kids' movies here. Sure. Talking about real movies for grown-ups. Where grown, grown men. Grown men, where <laughs> cars do uh, just supernatural things flying around the and gravity. the women will, they look great yeah and the men they look great yeah this isn't some juvenile fantasy these are movies for grown-ups guys yeah you look at these men and these women and you're like that's what i want to be like yeah sexy and strong i, I want to live my life a quarter mile at a time i know i'm tired of living my life with uh, a finish line that seems years and years yeah. away i want to risk it all by seeing jackass in theaters next week <laughs> so what the hell could vin diesel and the production team of this franchise do to fill this giant Dwayne Johnson sized hole in their next film because uh, that's a big it's a lot of space to fill yeah. I've been in the same room with the man it kind of hurts your brain a little bit they are literally physically big shoes to fill yeah uh, but yeah uh, here's an idea I'll just go out and buy the next best thing go to the, the great value Dwayne Johnson <laughs> that's that's unfair I'm talking about Jace Momoa yeah that is a little unfair who's actually he's a great guy yeah, great actor he's his own thing but yeah. it, it is funny they're like Clearly, like, they, they workshop this. They're like, who, like, ticks the same boxes as Dwayne? Like, ethnically ambiguous. Yeah. Uh, women love him. Men love him. Big and strong. Very strong. Yeah. Um, funny, but yeah. also tough. Previous experience in action franchises. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty short list. It is. <laughs> so, so yeah, another large-statured action star who's instantly recognizable, but also not massively famous enough to rock the boat. <laughs> rock the boat on a project like this <laughs> or presumably cost as much as Dwayne Johnson. Though. Yeah. Uh, Momoa is a huge star, but he's not he's, Dwayne Johnson. Big. Yeah, Dwayne Johnson's getting paid. Uh, I mean, he gets paid a rate because he's he's the only, there's no Dwayne Johnson. No, he's the only Dwayne Johnson. Also, he's at he's the irreplaceable. point. He's at the point in his career where everything he agrees to act in, he also must be an executive producer in. Yeah. So he's getting money all over the place. And he's this. also like, uh, put it in my contract that I get to wear the costume from Jumanji again. Yeah. I want to wear that in every movie. I will only wear that costume. <laughs> yeah. 
So I don't know. We don't fucking care either way. Uh, but these fast movies are literally just, they're just popcorn flicks, guys. They're good popcorn flicks. Yeah. If you set your bar low enough and turn that brain off, you you put get in, get in the Johnny Knoxville right after get, getting hit by a bull mindset. They are, they're, they're very enjoyable. They are the best at what they do. Yeah. They... They're, they are great. They are great for what they are. They're fantastic. They're the they're the only real legacy of like 80s action movies in a sort of modern uh, template. Because everything else is just fucking superheroes and shit. And this yeah. is uh It's this like is just fast if, cars, big dudes, hot women. Yeah, it's like what if uh, this is they answer the question of what if a 1980s action film director that went straight to VHS got a billion dollar budget? Yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, uh, look, it doesn't matter who they cast or if they're replacing The Rock or whatever, uh, or if the plot even makes sense. Doesn't make sense. I don't know. I mean, like the last, what, three movies, Dwayne Johnson and Vin Diesel have clearly not been in the same room for (laughs) any of their scenes together. No one cares. It's just part of the charm. It's part of the the nuance of the Fast franchise. Yeah. You're in the theater with your girl. You go, do you guys, do you think they're in the same room together? Idiot. They're not. (laughs) And the last one, they literally flew a car into space. Yeah. So it's it's funny. You see people like mock, you know, the plot of something like The Mandalorian, where it's like they go on a quest every episode and then they just go on another quest. It's like that is the Fast and Furious movies. They uh, they loosely tie in. Yeah. And it's just one big quest they're going on per movie. And yeah. that is fine. Yeah. It's a video game. It's a video game. Anyways, here's the Hollywood Reporter with more on this news. Jason Momoa is in final negotiations to join Vin Diesel and the rest of the starry ensemble cast in what is being called Fast and Furious 10 as a working title. Okay. Uh, And while plot details are being muffled, the Aquaman actor could be one of the film's villains. Universal had no comment. Justin Lin, who returned to the franchise with 2021's F9, The Fast Saga, is back in the director's chair. Diesel wanted Dwayne Johnson to return to the franchise after skipping F9, and courted him both privately and publicly, the latter via social media. And cringily. (laughs) Yes. Uh, After a November Instagram post where Diesel pleaded for the former WWE star to come back, Johnson said in a December interview that there was no chance of that, calling Diesel manipulative. The search was then on to find someone who could fill the needed quotient of star and muscle power. However, because the script is still a work in progress, it is unclear whether Momoa's part is protagonistic or antagonistic in nature, or perhaps even both. Yeah, I mean, Deckard Shaw fucking, like, killed some of their best friends. And look at him now, palling around with the Fast crew like nothing happened. You're not still mad about Han, right? He's alive, by the way. Yeah, he came back, so, so it's all good. So, <laughs> water under the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> I love this shit. Yeah, it's fine. It's I, stupid th- as fuck, and it, I it kind of knows that. I don't know if Vin Diesel knows that, but enough other people working on it know it. Yeah, I make think it that, uh, Vin Diesel and Tyrese... He probably thinks this is like high art. Yes, Vin Diesel and Tyrese, I am under the assumption that they think that this is like cinema... They're creating like cinematic yeah. magnificence. Tyrese stays up the, the night before they announce the Academy Awards nominees every every fast. And it's like, come on. This he is puts a tuxedo and sits on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, we've talked about it before and obviously the rumors are of course true because why would anyone lie about this but it has been confirmed that he did have his own private Benihana at his house because he put his house up for sale so there's realtor photos online now and he has a full on fucking Benihana in his backyard. That was uh, Aziz Ansari who yeah, went over there spilled and spilled that right? Yeah spilled the beans but yeah you can go on there's a site now that has the pictures of his uh, house 
And uh, yeah, there is a there is an actual miniature Benihana restaurant in his backyard. Wow. Yeah. So pretty cool. This this house has frills. Yeah, it comes with a lot of benefits. Yeah. You have to hire your own chef though. Anyway, moving over to dumb Disney news. Sounds like they're continuing to inadvertently piss off everyone recently. And this week was no exception, with one of the bigger headlines coming out of their insistence to remake every single one of their goddamn classic animated films by turning them into live action blockbusters with an all-star cast. Hey, you guys like this old movie? Well, what if it was new? And what if it had actors that you recognize in it? It's like those old movies, but with the uncanny valley added to it. And like, what's their batting average on these fucking Not very good. Is like zero. I think not a single one of them has left any sort of lasting impression on anyone. I enjoyed, out of all of them, Beauty and the Beast, because uh, Luke Evans is great as Gaston, and I uh, can't remember the his little uh, sidekick's name, but he's played by jo- he's played by Josh Gad, Josh Gad who yeah. does a wonderful job in the film as well. And he's gay, and he sings like an angel. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it. I mean, maybe you like him, but most people, I think, seem very to, forgetful. Seem to find these live action remakes of old animated Disney properties to not really work ever. Mm-hmm. But hey, they already own the IP, and they just need to keep cranking this shit out, I guess, to help fill their premium streaming services. Uh, options yeah so disney recently announced two new live action remakes an updated version of aristocrats the aristocats com- <laughs> that's do not tell people to go watch aristocrats the aristocats the aristocats <laughs> uh so yeah so aristocats will suffer from the fact that the live action cats film has ruined any potential positive reception to films based on talking cats and the inevitable alteration to the original film's main song which features the lyrics shanghai hong kong egg foo young fortune cookie Always wrong. That'll have to be altered. And this is done by a Siamese cat, I believe, wearing a rice hat. Uh, no, with... it's a it's a symbol. It's a from from the drums. That's right. It's very racist. Like like not even vaguely racist. Well, it's like ooh, Jesus Christ. The cat is Asian, right? So it's fine. I guess. Uh, <laughs> also, like oh, they're like live action ca- uh, Aristocats. It's gonna be like the fucking Jungle Book, where it's ninety nine percent CGI. You're just making a new animated Aristocats. Photorealistic Aristocats. much like in The Jungle Book, you get, uh, what's her name? Black Widow to play the Chinese cat that does the song. Yeah. Scarlett? Scarlett Johansson, you know what to do. Now that we're back on good terms, getting you paid, you've got a job that only you can do. (laughs) You have to play a Chinese cat. I'm on it. Yeah. Uh, The other film in the live-action remake pipeline receiving some substantial flack, though, is an announced remake of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, which made headlines this week after Peter Dinklage spoke out about the production of the film, saying during an interview on the WTF podcast with Mark Maron, take a step back and look at what you're doing there. It makes no sense to me, he said about an hour into the 80-minute episode. You're progressive in one way, and you're still making that fucking backward story about seven dwarfs living in a cave together. What the fuck are you doing, man? And according to an NPR write-up on the statement, Dinklage stressed that he meant literally no offense to anyone and sent all love and respect to the actress and to the people who thought they were doing the right thing. So yeah, he he, he said, he's like, you're being progressive because I guess Snow White's going to be like a Latina. It's the girl s- from West Side Story. Yeah, so he's like, it is funny that Disney's like, see? It's fine. This princess, not a white princess. She is a Latina, Latinx Mm -hmm. princess. So pretty cool. Also, here's like seven midgets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One of them sneezes a lot. One of them's always mad. Yeah. And it's funny because they're small. 
Mm-hmm. They got shorter arms and legs. It's funny, right? That's exactly what the statement from Disney was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that article, though, says his frustration was palpable. Uh, the film is also set to star West Side Story actress Rachel Zegler as Snow White and Gal Gadot as the evil queen. Mm. Uh, the response online to Dinklage's comments, it, it has been all over the place. Uh, now, of course, he, he has the right to say whatever the hell he wants about this. And it is dumb that Disney keeps remaking these films that will almost always run into backlash for improper handling of sensitive subjects. These films... Specifically this one, different time. But uh, just look at the live-action remake of Aladdin as an example of where the company uh, can go wrong. <laughs> Remember when they were accused of darkening the skin of background actors during production? Yeah. So, yeah, they, they don't always handle things well. Um, but, yeah, it's also pointed out correctly that the, the dwarves do not live in a cave. Yeah, Peter, get your facts straight. They work in a cave. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> how about that? They live in a house. Which is where they run into Snow White because she's hiding out there after being banished from her castle. Uh, and because they work in a cave mining diamonds, they they do fit in with the more mythological description of dwarves. Uh, like the ones that exist in Tolkien novels, World of Warcraft, and so on. It's just that in the Disney films, they look silly as hell because it's a cartoon. And so, yeah, it's justifiably offensive to a lot of people. And I had never like thought about this, but uh, I, th- I saw people pointing out, they're just like, like, because the Snow White story is kind of like, it's one of the stories that's just been around forever. It's, it's an old folk tale. Yes. It's not like Hans Christian Andersen or something. And uh, a lot of people point out, they're like, actually, like, the only reference to, like, mythological dwarves being small uh, came once the story spread south from the Nordic countries. Mm-hmm. It was like, up in the Nordic parts, like, they, they had all sorts of stories involving dwarves. But there's never any mention that they're small. Yeah. They're just magical creatures. So it is funny that, uh, like, nope, they gotta be small. We need seven midgets. <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, although there hasn't been any confirmation as to how Disney will represent the dwarves in the live-action adaptation, which does not need to exist at all. They just, they don't have to do this at all. <laughs> but regarding that, we're, we're sure it's gonna be a big point of contention, and people have a right to be worried or upset by it. Maybe they'll, uh, maybe they'll just, just scale them up and post. Yes, that's exactly what they'll do. Yeah, yeah. So look what they, they did with Aladdin. I mean, do we have to tap the sign again? Luckily, if this film is like any of their other adaptations, it will be released and just immediately forgotten about because it's going to be just super mediocre. Yes. But in other weirdo Disney news that lines up quite nicely with our episode last week regarding the desexification of M and M's, damn, they they stole uh, they stole what those M and M's had going for them, folks. They took away the M&M's high heels. Also, feel free I to... I can't even get hard anymore. Feel free to keep sending Elliot that picture of that naked M&M. I fucking hate that shit. At this point, if you send that to me, I will block you. It's horrifying. <laughs> I don't like it. I sent that to Elliot on Discord, and I was like, hey, check this out. And you're like, people need to stop sending me this. <laughs> I love it's that this disturbing. is a thing that happens. It is disturbing. She is thick as hell. Anyway, yeah, if the headlines and Tucker Carlson's conspicuously limp penis are any indication, it would appear as though Disney has ruined Minnie Mouse by replacing her iconic red dress with a pantsuit. How could they do (laughs) such a thing, alter such an iconic and sexy look on my favorite mouse (laughs) to look at when I'm feeling a little bit handsy with myself? Mm -hmm. Mm, Minnie, God, oh. Oh, Minnie, that red dress. Oh, jeez. Oh. So first of all, who cares? 
It's a fucking cartoon mouse. And also, hey, buddy, that's Mickey's girl. But, <laughs> yeah, what are you doing trying to cock Mickey Mouse for? Yeah. Dick but uh, secondly, that's also just what everyone's saying is happening is not what's happening at all. Don't worry, conservatives. They're not destroying the femininity and sexiness of a cartoon mouse. Yeah. If anyone had just braved the, the actual articles and news about this, just opened them briefly to read, I don't know, the first paragraph... Nah, too much work. <laughs> About Minnie Mouse's look being ruined by dressing her up in a pantsuit, they would have quickly noticed that this outfit is literally just for a 30th anniversary event at Disneyland Paris that coincides with Women's History Month. Oh, so she's a girl boss. Yeah, in, in specifically Disneyland Paris for a timed event. Huh? We women need to stick together. <laughs> this is a real lean-in moment. Now, anyway... I saw that you issued some HR complaints about your colleagues. Um, yeah, we're going to get to that, I guess. But uh, could you shut the fuck up for now? We've got a shareholders meeting coming up. And uh, I don't know, maybe you could just work with a different supervisor for now. But we're going to keep this real hush-hush, all right? Because <laughs> we, we ladies got to stick together. <laughs> if, you, if you go to any press to talk about my managerial skills, I'll slam you for being sexist. <laughs> That's what happened to the CEO of Away, I believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it's a, it's a recurring pattern, like, the girl boss moment is officially over because, like, like I think Activision Blizzard fully killed it because you had, like, <laughs> women executives just being like, this little slut needs to go. She's causing all sorts of problems here. Uh, yeah, I'll send that to HR. Just drops in the street. Well, now the good thing is, is that all the bad decisions that Disney makes going forward can be blamed on Minnie Mouse because yeah. she is now the girl boss of Disney. Listen, we only pay her 77 cents on the dollar, so. She's stuck back in the 1930s. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah it is in, this is in no way a permanent replacement. For Minnie, just an event. Here's BBC. Minnie Mouse will soon be changing into a smart blue pantsuit. Fuck off. <laughs> Swapping out her traditional red polka dot dress while keeping her iconic bow. Okay. <laughs> I can get off to that. <laughs> That's a compromise I can accept. Uh, I love it, like, <laughs> imagining you in the boardroom for this. Okay. Yeah, yeah well, don't touch the bow, though. Yeah, no, the bow's got to stay. Because otherwise, she just looks like Mickey, and I'm not gay. <laughs> How would you differentiate the two without the bow? Yeah. Yeah. I need that bow. <laughs> the new look was designed by Stella McCartney to celebrate 30 years of Disneyland Paris Resort. Uh, despite the change being just a temporary one, it has been met with a mixed reaction online from Disney fans. Minnie will debut the blue tuxedo in Disney's Paris Entertainment Resort from March 22nd, or 2022, sorry, uh, where she will wear it in time for Women's History Month. And look, I don't want to generalize here, but I am trying to imagine the type of person who would actually get upset by this temporary change, and it's not pretty. It's uh, probably the same guy that got mad that uh, Disneyland was allowing workers to like have tattoos. Or that, that they removed the whore auction from Pirates yeah, of the Caribbean. My immersion. Well, that's it. That does it. Yeah. You, you think I'm going to go all the way to Paris for this wonderful celebration just to see Minnie in a pantsuit? There was this guy on Twitter who just like just teed himself up to get roasted for like the last month because he complained that the Louisa in Encanto is like being buff is uh, just yeah. unacceptable to him. Like she has a magic power. She's like the strongest person in the world because of magic. She has superhuman powers from magic in this children's movie. Didn't that freak. person also come to the realization that they were like suffering from the same emotional distress that they themselves were suffering from too? It was a weird threat. I, I zoned out and I was like, just take the L, man. Because he kept trying to defend himself too. It's like, 
you got 10,000 people yelling at you. Just like maybe, uh, maybe do literally anything else. Twitter but is the bad place. It is the bad place. You need to get off. No, I love it. <laughs> Anyways, this is literally a non-story that just served as more ammunition for the culture war. And, you know, that is being actually quite effectively used a lot of the times by conservative news outlets. And we haven't seen an update from Tucker on all of this, though based on our last episode, he's probably talking about it right now as we film this. Yeah. But Candace Owens uh, described this change as- They're trying to destroy fabrics of our society. Uh, and uh, Matthew Gertz from Media Matters uh, <laughs> tweeted out a collection of the various amounts of coverage that this non-story got from just one channel. Matthew Gertz, I love that guy. Every time there's Matt Gates news, he just tweets like, oh no, not again. Because <laughs> people can't read and they yell at him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. There you go. Because his name is similar. Anyway, uh, yeah, so there you go. The the dress is coming back. Don't worry, guys. Yeah. Minnie Mouse is going to be slipping into something a little be, more comfortable. It's going to be uh, no-nut March for some people. But don't worry. By November, she'll be back in time. Yeah. Yeah. It's anyway. Gonna be, it's going to be fine. It's going to be... Things are going to be fine, okay? Yeah. Omicron's going away. Minnie Mouse is going to get back in that dress. Uh, the economy is going to come roaring back thanks to Joe Biden's insistence on a Ukrainian war. Yeah. 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 The stock market needs war. No, it's actually up now because of Apple's earnings. Thanks, it's, Apple. It's it's up. <laughs> Zoom out. And then it's like, oh, God, no, keep zooming. My my I don't, I don't want to talk about my portfolio, but it's <laughs> it's like it's fucking I mean, I, I don't care. It's It's like I'm saving this money for later. I'm not a fucking day trader, so I'm like, eh, whatever, it's a market, it happens. But I look at it, I was like, oh my God, Jesus Christ. Oof. Look what they've done to my child. You weren't feeling bad enough on Twitter. <laughs> you had to go over to your stocks. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, this is not good. Well, anyway, we have more <laughs> news for you coming up. But first, let's take a quick second to thank today's sponsors, starting with Masterclass. Masterclass gives you the extra knowledge and motivation you need to take your craft, whatever it may be, to the next level. That's where Masterclass shines, because you're getting information from literally the best people in the business from a variety of fields like cooking. Music, film, animation, business, tech, and plenty more. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your pace. You can learn the art of DJing and music curation from Questlove, improve your cooking skills from Gordon Ramsay, or learn game design and theory from Will Wright. With over 100 classes from a range of world-class instructors, that thing you're always wanting to do is closer than you think. Yep. I'm taking a couple of music classes that I'm really interested in, and uh, they're all extremely interesting and it's good to get a different perspective than just what you would find on any like instructional video on YouTube or yeah, uh, in a book. You're listening to someone who absolutely knows what they're talking about. Share uh, the inside scoop on what they do. It's insights that you literally can't find in too many other places. Um, these cinema quality classes, they give you unparalleled access to literal experts and the lessons range from showing you how to execute a technique to insights about that craft. You can explore lessons in any order across your phone, tablet, Apple TV, or computer, and in just 10 to 15 minutes, you can squeeze a few lessons in here or there without setting aside an entire day. If you're interested, we definitely think you should check it out. Get unlimited access to every Masterclass, and right now, you can get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash newsdump today. That is masterclass.com slash newsdump for 15% off an annual subscription. Uh, terms do apply, of course. And this episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. 
The new year is a great time to focus on what's important to you, whether it's saving money by ordering less takeout, learning to cook, or prioritizing your wellness. HelloFresh is here to help with endless options to make cooking at home simple and enjoyable. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients to your door, including farm-fresh produce that arrives within a week so you get convenience without skipping on quality. Skip the trip to the grocery store, saving you the wait in long lines and ensuring that you don't waste money on excess food. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, including veggie, calorie-smart, family-friendly, and gourmet options, providing plenty of variety. Recipes like hibachi, sweet soy, bavette steak, and shrimp bring restaurant-quality meals right to your kitchen, while their white cheddar Wonder Burgers make it easier than ever to skip the takeout. Uh, this week I had uh, some tostadas, and also a, a wonderful chicken, balsamic chicken with uh, uh, spaghetti. It was very good, easy Ooh. to throw together in a very Ooh. short amount of time. So go to HelloFresh.com slash NewsDump16 and use code NewsDump16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Again, that is up to 16 free meals and three free gifts by going to HelloFresh.com slash NewsDump16 and using our code NewsDump16. Okay, back to the news now with a story out of China. <laughs> So it looks like the 1999 film Fight Club, based on the book by Chuck Palahniuk, has finally become available on a streaming service over in China, officially. Yeah, it's on, it's, uh, uh, believe it or not, Tencent, which is a, a yeah. content streaming service I mean, and also uh, a video game platform. It's been, you've been able to find any movie in China if you know where to look mm. for a long time, but it's officially streaming in China mm. on a streaming service. But it's got uh, kind of an altered... There's been some changes. <laughs> <laughs> it's got, the plot's a bit different. The ending is quite different, but I, I guess was found to be more suitable for Chinese audiences. So in what appears to be almost exactly like the uh, Poochie died on the way back to his home planet ending from an itchy and scratchy episode of The Simpsons when like Poochie got written out of the show. Uh -huh. uh, I, have you seen Fight Club? You know you've, how it is. You've seen Fight Please, Club. Please, spoilers ahead if you haven't. Yeah, I, like... If you haven't seen it for some reason, I don't know, skip ahead like a couple minutes. But the ending of Fight Club originally consists of a bunch of buildings that explode, which contained all the credit records for everyone, thus theoretically freeing them of debt. This wouldn't have happened with the blockchain. Also, <laughs> also spoiler alert, Tyler dies, but Tyler is also the narrator. Anyway, but in the Chinese version, none of this happens. Instead, the screen cuts to black and then texts appear saying that the police rapidly figured out the whole plan and arrested all criminals, successfully preventing the bomb from exploding. After the trial, Tyler was sent to a lunatic asylum, receiving psychological treatment. He was discharged from the hospital in 2012. <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. And uh, so this is apparently because, according to The Hollywood Reporter, a key tenet of China's film censorship system is that criminals must always be punished for their crimes on screen and societal harmony must be restored. A happy ending. Yeah has to be a happy ending. What's even funnier about this, though, is that the author of the book that the film is based on, the previously mentioned Chuck Palahniuk, he's come out in approval of the edit. It's it's actually truer to the book, yeah, honestly, in some ways. It's joking approval, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he said that it's actually truer to his vision. Uh, here's that Hollywood Reporter article again. Palahniuk, originator of the characters and story, has weighed in with his own response. The author tweeted a link to his Substack newsletter where he discusses the episode, writing, Have you seen this shit? This is super wonderful. Everyone gets a happy ending in China. Uh, in his newsletter, Palahniuk wrote, Tyler and the gang were all arrested. He was tried and sentenced to a mental asylum. How amazing. I'd no idea. Justice always wins. Nothing ever exploded. Fini. 
Uh, the author later gave an interview to TMZ in which he pointed out that the altered Chinese ending is actually somewhat closer to how his book concluded. In Palahniuk's novel, the narrator's scheme also fails, not because of the wisdom and competence of the authorities, but simply due to his bomb malfunctioning. The narrator then shoots himself in the head and wakes up in a mental hospital, thinking that he's made it to heaven. Quote, the irony is that the way the Chinese have changed it is they've aligned the ending almost exactly with the ending <laughs> of the book, as opposed to Fincher's ending, which was the more spectacular visual ending, he said. So in a way, the Chinese brought the movie back to the book a little bit. Yeah, I remember I, I remember reading the book. This movie, if you, if you weren't like a teenage boy in the year 2000, you wouldn't understand, but like Fight Club was fucking huge. Every, it was like everyone's first DVD. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I read the book, got into Chuck Palahniuk for a while. And I remember reading Fight Club and being like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> this isn't what happened in the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I preferred the movie ending back then, but now this is a, I think this is pretty Fight cool. Club and the Matrix, I think same year. And it was kind of a yeah, kind of a big moment for that because uh, Matrix undeniably just massive for uh, an original IP. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the good news about this is that if you do want to see the Chinese cut of the film, a.k.a. release the China cut, all you have to do is turn off the movie at the end and hold up a card with the updated ending captions written on them. Yeah, it's very easy. Uh, maybe Disney Plus will release this version since they own the rights. Sounds like a fan campaign in the making. Haha, <laughs> do you want to see the Chinese version of Fight Club? <laughs> it actually works with Disney, too, because it's a happy ending. Yeah. 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 You know, Disney movies, they make you cry, they make you think, but they make you smile. Not enough smiling going on in Fight Club. It's true. It's very. It's a pretty bleak movie. Yeah, it's one of those like uh, pre nine eleven like films that I'm just like, what were people so mad about in the nineties? Like, there's just this like angst that people had over nothing, but they found an outlet for it, and a lot of people died. Anyways, over to some uh, updates to things that we've been covering. Uh, we mentioned it in passing earlier this week because it didn't really garner its own in-depth coverage. But Kid Rock, he released a new single where the chorus is literally, Let's Go Brandon. Let's Go Brandon! <laughs> and that was to coincide with the announcement of his nationwide tour. All normal music industry stuff, except for the fact that Kid Rock is a chode whose new music only caters to an extremely specific market. And that song includes references that are already outdated. But... There was one thing in particular that stood out on the official ticket purchasing page, which is obviously being handled by Live Nation. These concerts would obviously have to abide by COVID protocols set by both Live Nation and the various venues where Kid Rock would be performing. Mm, ain't nobody gonna tell me how to live. If you know anything about Kid Rock recently, you'd know that this is hilariously ironic and not something that would go over well with his very specific fan base. Still, maybe this, finally this, would be the motivation that people would need to get vaccinated. Because you had to show proof of vaccination to attend these Kid Rock concerts. Fine. Fine. <laughs> you win, Brandon. Or to be fair, you could show a negative test within 72 hours. But in a lot of places where statistically there has been a problem with getting people vaccinated, they there is also statistically a problem with getting uh, quick results on yeah. COVID tests. All their governors just shut down all the COVID tests. Okay, you can drive an hour out of town and like wait, I don't know, a month. And then <laughs> there's no guarantee you're going to get it in 72 hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's a very big ask. So yeah, that's interesting. But uh-oh, Kid Rock doesn't like people telling him how to live. So he, <laughs> he has, Kid Rock has now issued an ultimatum to Live Nation and the venues requiring these protocols, telling them to ditch those COVID requirements or the show does not 
Go on. Mm -hmm. Here's Rolling Stone with more. Kid Rock reassured fans he will absolutely cancel any show on his upcoming tour if a venue requires fans to show proof of vaccine or potentially has other COVID-19 safety protocols in place. Oh, any protocols? No safety protocols. Like none. Shut all the windows. (laughs) Turn off the the fans. We want that air to stagnate in the air. (laughs) Uh, In a Facebook video, Rock noted some chatter among fans who said they wouldn't go to gigs on his bad reputation tour because of vaccine mandates at venues. But the musician said his brain trust had done as much research as possible and was confident that they hadn't booked a show at a venue with a hard vax mandate. And if they had, that the rules would be out the window by the time he arrived in either the spring or the summer. And if that turned out not to be the case, Kid Rock sued the sensitive fears of any fans worried about winding up in an environment designed to mitigate the spread of COVID-19. <laughs> Don't worry. Your chances of getting COVID at this show will be the highest you'll find anywhere. And you know what? It's going to be a Petri dish in there. COVID protocols, we're getting rid of them. You know what else? All the other safety protocols. Don't, take down all the barriers. And yes, we're doing pyrotechnics in a small venue. At one point in the show, everyone's going to turn to the person to their left and lick their ear. And then you turn to the person to your right. You lick their neck. And then we pass a tissue around. Everyone in the entire venue is going to blow their nose in it. And guess what? No metal detectors. Yeah. Everyone can bring... You know what? It's actually encouraged to bring... All right, who's packing? Let's see him. (laughs) Woo! Shoot him in the air! Scaffolding just falling. Uh, Now, here's uh, Kid Rock's quote. If there are any venues, I'm not aware of any, they're going to be gone by the time we get to your city, he said. If they're not, you don't have to worry. You'll be getting your money back because I won't be showing up either. If you think I'm going to sit out there and sing, don't tell me how to live, and we the people, while people are holding up their fucking vaccine cards and wearing masks, that shit ain't happening. They add that Kid Rock's courageous stance on contracting COVID comes on the heels of his new song, We the People, in which he calls for love and unity while also asking folks to, quote, suck on these nuts. It's, uh, it, you really should check it out. Also, he turned the comments off of the YouTube video for it. That's odd. Comments, not available. Almost like I'm being, I feel like I'm being silenced. Yeah. I feel like my free speech is being uh, infringed upon. Anyway, in, a, in another news update, uh, Joe Exotic, remember that guy? Uh, AKA the Tiger King. He has officially had his sentence reduced, though it's very, very far from what he was hoping for, which was to be released immediately. Yeah. Sorry, Joe, you did kind of try to have a woman killed. Not just kind of, <laughs> and also abused animals. Like, Look, we know that the plan would have never worked because you're incompetent and everyone you're surrounded with is incompetent. And the person you hired to kill the woman obviously was just going to take the money and run away. But you did try to have her killed. Yeah. We can't just let you go. But yeah, so sadly for Joe, this reduction, it only amounts to one year off of his previous sentence. So. Hey, that's one year off, though. Yeah. Uh, Here's the Associated Press with the update. A federal judge resentenced Tiger King Joe Exotic to 21 years in prison on Friday, reducing his punishment by just a year, despite pleas from the former zookeeper for leniency as he begins treatment for early-stage cancer. Oh, what? Yeah, he's got colon cancer. Ah, fuck. Quote, Please don't make me die in prison waiting for a chance to be free, he tearfully told a federal judge who resentenced him on a murder-for-hire charge. Friday's court proceedings came about after a federal appeals court ruled last year that the prison term he's serving on a murder-for-hire conviction should be shortened. Supporters packed the courtroom, some wearing animal print masks and shirts that read, Free Joe Exotic. The article continues adding that his attorney said they would appeal the resentencing and petition for a new trial. The former zookeeper was sentenced in January 2020 to 22 years in prison after he was convicted of trying to hire two different men to kill Carol Baskin. 
A three-judge panel on the 10th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals agreed with Maldonado Passage that the court should have treated them as one conviction at sentencing because they both involved the same goal of killing Baskin. So 21 years instead of 22, which is, it is rough, especially for someone who has cancer and will almost certainly die in prison. He's not young. But it is important to remember that this guy paid uh, two people, one of them being an undercover agent to kill someone and also abuse the shit out of animals, regardless of how goofy the Netflix show portrayed him at certain points. Yeah. Uh, Big cats should not be in that kind of environment to begin with. Yeah. And like, you do only remember the funny parts. Uh, literally, the meme of him saying he's not going to financially recover from this is after it was because it ex- someone got their arm ripped off. By a yeah, so the guy's not exactly uh, morally sound no. in a lot of no ways. So, anyways, let's move on. In other news, it has finally been confirmed. Thank goodness, Nicholas Cage is goth. Oh, thank God! And uh, this confirmation it comes straight from the source, uh, Cage himself. During a recent interview with the Los Angeles Times, which also revealed details about Cage's post, uh, or sorry, pet crow, amongst other eccentric things that solidify his commitment to the goth community. Hell yeah. The piece, which is centered around his upcoming role as Dracula in what? the Universal oh, production shit. of Renfield, uh, they indicated that he is, the per- he is perfect for the role uh, because he already lives a goth lifestyle off camera. He does. Yeah, uh, Cage's pet crow is named Hoogan and lives in the actor's Las Vegas home inside a geodesic dome. According to Cage, he has taken to calling me names. It's comical, at least it is to me. When I leave the room, he'll say, bye, and then go, ass. Crows are very intelligent, and I like their appearance, the Edgar Allan Poe aspect. I like the goth element. I am a goth. I love everything about this. This is fantastic. As you know by now, we are 100% into whatever Nicolas Cage gets himself into these days. He's on a hot streak. That's unparalleled. Yes. He, much like Dwayne Johnson, the, Nicolas Cage has made himself irreplaceable. There's simply no one else who can fill his shoes. A bad Nicolas Cage movie is still a watchable movie. Yeah. Just like a bad rock movie is still watchable. I finally recently got around watching Pig, and it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Incredible. I, I, was, not, I was not fucking ready, but I was like, wait, this is like one of the, this is an incredibly good the movie. The scene in the restaurant yeah. is one of the best acting performances yeah, of a I, lifetime. I, like, I knew I was going to like it. I knew people had said good things about it, but I'm just like, what? This is like so fucking good. But then he comes out with like that Five Nights at Freddy's movie in the same year, and it's like, this guy has range. He's willing to, st- he's in a weird way, He's kind of like Adam Sandler. <laughs> yeah. Adam Sandler has far fewer dramatic roles to go off of, but they're kind of the same. Like, Adam Sandler can it has wide range. He does. And he can kill it when he wants to. Yeah. Nicolas Cage, Nicolas Cage kind of only has one setting, and that is over-the-top extreme. But if you can harness that energy, yeah. it, it always pays off. Well, I don't know. Now that he's old, like, his, his character in Pig was more like, I mean, he, he did, was he did have like the explosive moments, but like other than that, he's like I mean, he, t- he doesn't even say a word for like first half hour of the movie. Like he's he's like sort of grumpy and old. But you can see the chaos brewing beneath those yeah. eyes. Yeah, it's it's if you haven't seen Pig yet, please it take so good. ninety or one hundred twenty minutes out of your day and watch it. But yeah, we are into whatever the hell this guy does. It doesn't matter. I, I'll watch anything because it's always gonna. Ever since Port of New Orleans, that is the, that's that the is, craziest. That's the <laughs> that is the tipping point between old Cage. And New Cage, yeah. where it's like amazing action star from the 90s, starts to fall on hard times uh, with some legal and financial issues, 
makes a couple good ones. Matchstick Men I thought was pretty good. Yeah. And then Port of New Orleans. Like, Port was... of New Orleans is a meeting of the minds. <laughs> that is Nicolas Cage and Werner Herzog. Yeah. Uh, two, two of the most eccentric uh, people in film uh, really playing off each other's strengths. And that, I think, is the beginning of the Renaissance. Yeah. Yeah. Which has only gotten better. But uh, anyways, let's move over to the final story for this episode. And we did hold it all the way till the end because we spent enough time on Tech Newsday talking about crypto, crypt, crypto, crypto, <laughs> currency, <laughs> and NFTs. Uh, but here you go anyway. Uh, remember how Ubisoft was the first very large gaming company to fully dive into the NFT space with their release of crypto assets for the Tom Clancy title Breakpoint? Everyone who isn't or wasn't pot committed to NFTs already thought that this was stupid, unnecessary, and annoying. Uh, also, so did the developers of the games. They're like, why are we doing this? But I guess we don't have any choice. Much like the animals at war. Wow, we should unionize. Uh, anyways, the NFTs themselves ended up being worth next to nothing for those who did acquire them. But uh, apparently it is the gamers who are wrong. <laughs> and it is the gamers who don't understand. And it's also the games media that is uh, just scared to love NFTs or something like that. Yeah, so this shocking realization is all thanks to a recent interview with an executive from Ubisoft who said the following about their NFT plans and their crypto program called Quartz. I think gamers don't get what a digital secondary market can bring to them. For now, because of the current situation and context of NFTs, gamers really believe it's first destroying the planet and second just a tool for speculation. But what we at Ubisoft are seeing first is the end game. The end game is about giving players the opportunity to resell their items once they're finished with them or they're finished playing the game itself. So it's really for them. It's really beneficial, but they don't get it for now. Also, this is part of a paradigm shift in gaming. Moving from one economic system to another is not easy to handle. There's a lot of habits you need to go against and a lot of your ingrained mindset you have to shift. It takes time, we know that. This already exists, first of all. Second of all, like, You'll learn to like it. Yeah, it's just so, it's so strange. Gamers want to be able to sell and buy their in-game items. No. Like Gamers fucking want to swap buy a game for one price and fucking play it. Gamers want to be able to buy their many microtransactions with cryptocurrency on the chain. But sadly, the reality is that because execs for these gaming companies see this as a quick and easy way to boost profits and stock value, we are likely to see the full embrace <clears throat> of NFTs continue to dominate the news in regard to gaming. Like, this is unstoppable because the people in charge are willing it into existence. Because it is very good for them in the short term. It is very good for them in the short term, even if this ends up completely ruining everything. Uh, we'll be dead by then. Um, but yeah, the, the best you can do is bitch about this and not buy their games. I mean, they did try it out on a game that barely anyone was playing. Like they, yeah. they clearly, they at some level understand that this is, uh, has the potential to not work out. So I guess it'll be interesting when they try it on a more relevant game and it, or, or it, a game that like right at launch yeah, instead of something and, that's and years old. No one's fucking into it. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that's it for this week's episode. If you want more bullshit NFT news, please check out our most recent episode of Tech News Day. Also, we had another episode this week for you to check out about World War III. Check both of those out, and we'll be back for weekly weird news coming up soon. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Bye-bye.